welcome back, everybody. Um, I hope you enjoyed the podcast with Ambassador Patricia Fuller. Um, Rachel and I thought it would be a good idea to recap um, and reflect on what Ambassador Fuller said, re- uh, recap um, parts of COP, and what this means to you, uh, the Canadian companies that are um, are listening to this, and to our colleagues in the MDBs and in the policy field. Um, as to how Canadian companies can really leverage their expertise um, around around some of these climate solutions. Um, so I think how we'll just start um, with some information. Um, I'll sort of go through what were the commitments coming out of the World Bank Group and IDB. Um, as you know, the World Bank Group and the Inter-American Development Bank are both based here in Washington, D.C., and I work closely with uh, both groups, um, including the private sector's arm, which is IFC, IDB Invest, uh, respectively, and, of course, IDB Labs as well. So from um, the World Bank side, uh, it was basically a reiteration that from their December 2020 press release that 35% of their financing will go will have climate co-benefits over the next five years. Uh, they'll also ensure that 50% of this financing supports adaptation and resilience. Like I said, this was an announcement that they made back in December of last year and that reiterated that announcement um, again. And then they are aiming for 20 for 25 for IFC to come into full compliance with the Paris Accord. Uh, right now, the World Bank Group is the biggest multilateral funder of climate action in developing countries and has delivered more than $26 billion in 2021 alone, which is a record annual amount. Uh, on the IDB side, they announced that their loans and projects will be fully aligned with the Paris Climate Agreement by 2023 and made um, a commitment to natural capital, and they led the MDBs to mainstream nature across their policies and significantly boost nature finance for member countries. Um, Rachel, what news came out of Europe with EBRD and EIB? Yeah, so Fahim, um, like uh, the MDBs on on your side of the world, um, uh, the European um, IFIs uh, came out with quite a few announcements leading up to COP and, and also at COP as well. So the European Bank for Reconstruction and Development, EBRD, um, is the only multilateral development bank with an explicit mandate to foster the private sector. So EBRD is already very much aligned to the Glasgow call to mobilize more private finance, which you know we, we were speaking about with Ambassador Fuller. And in the first week of the conference, EBRD launched it launched its action plan on mobilizing private capital for climate finance. So that set out its ambition to double its mobilization of climate finance by 2025. And it's also looking to scale up its policy advice on climate to the 38 economies across three continents where it works. So this involves stepping up support for countries of operation and designing their low carbon strategies and and NDCs as well but also redoubling focus on adaptation. We, we talked about that a lot earlier and uh, building on private sector focus to help business not only adjust to the low carbon transition, but actually be at the forefront of it. And then we also have the European Investment Bank um, and uh, they announced that they'll 
triple their climate adaptation finance. Um, so they have a new adaptation plan. So they're looking to increase the share of adaptation support to 15% of the bank's overall finance for climate action by 2025. And this is meant to support projects around the world. So not just within Europe, as you might think within their name. Um, and it's actually, it, it also supports the objectives of the European Union adaptation strategy. So EIB has also announced its plans to engage with clients to help them align to the goals of the Paris Agreement. So they're looking to screen all projects uh, for the risks of climate change and ensure they are adapted to future changes. They're also um, putting together a new advisory service um, that will help public and private sector clients understand how climate change affects their operations. Um, and they're looking to develop and disclose decarbonization and resilience plans with their clients. So there's quite a lot of work coming out of Europe. Um, and again, to reiterate, it's not just uh, financing that's focused on specifically the European region, um, as EBRD and EIB are also funders uh, uh, across different parts of the world. Okay. So one of the other things that came up in our conversation with Ambassador Fuller was uh, the Climate Investment Fund. Um, and the Climate Investment Fund is hosted uh, or is in care of the World Bank Group, but it's its own entity. And like I said, hopefully we'll get uh, somebody from the Climate Investment Fund on the podcast soon to talk about um, their work. Um, and they have a number of uh, different initiatives. Like Ambassador Fuller said, Canada committed $1 billion to the Accelerating Coal Transition Investment Program. Um, but I think what I had mentioned in, in my comments to Ambassador Fuller was the clean, the evolution of the clean technology for call fund called the SIF Capital Market Mechanism. And this is unique um, and, and somewhat innovative in a sense that they're using their balance sheet in the capital markets. And so from my perspective, it's not only um, getting money, leveraging money for first loss or however a SIF wants to use the money um, for investments, direct investments, but going into the capital markets, hopefully we'll actually get more private investments um, to um, invest in the infrastructure gap in developing countries. So I think that is significant. Um, what it means for direct project finance now, to be very honest, hopefully we'll get some more information soon um, about this. But uh, I think unlocking capital, private capital, is key to climate change abatement and, and addressing climate change going forward. Uh, the other big thing that we didn't mention, um, and Rachel, maybe you can give us a little bit more information about it, was uh, the GFANS announcement or the Glasgow Financial Alliance for Net Zero. What can you tell us about that? This is a very important part of... Um COP26 and some of the outcomes uh, of uh, Glasgow. So uh, as you mentioned, uh, GFANS is the acronym and uh, it stands for Glasgow Financial Alliance for Net Zero. So it's an alliance of, of private sector financial players and they have assets totaling 130 trillion US. So that's 40% of the world's assets um, and surely enough to finance the transition that we need to address climate change and to address the climate emergency. So um, it's uh, it's been signed on um, by banks and investors and, and they're looking to decarbonize their portfolios by 2050. 
so this is a, a large marker and, and a big stance, I would say, um, when it comes to commitments from the financial sector. And what is interesting about GFANS is um, that this is probably one of the first times that we've seen the financial sector play such a large role within uh, a COP. Uh, previously, we've heard from from contacts in the financial space that they were there at COPs, but um, they weren't ever really um, playing a, a leading role. And and now we're seeing that uh, the financial sector is recognizing that that they have a very important role to play, but also likewise um, other parties, governments, um, business, uh, civil society are, are recognizing the, the important role that the financial sector has to play in, in and in addressing uh, this climate emergency. So GFANS is, is a, a really unique and important outcome of COP26 and certainly something that I think will look to be following, um, especially considering that uh, decarbonizing portfolios for banks and investors will be a long and probably arduous task. And and just to bring in a Canadian element to this, um, this idea was was led and initiated by Mark Carney, who of course continues to be kind of a, a, a strong um, leader in, in Canada when it comes to climate change um, and played a huge role at COP26 as well. So um, it was great to see him uh, at COP26 and then to have an outcome like this come from a lot of the work that he's been doing in the lead up to COP26. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, his role as the governor for Bank of Canada and then the Bank of England definitely plays a role in um, the ability to convene. And, and you said it well. Um, I think it's nice to have a practitioner-led initiative such as GFANS led by the private sector rather than led by the public sector because it's really the private sector that's going to be driving this. Um, I thought, you know, we could kind of um, end this recap by just going through what this means for Canadian industry. That was the last question that we had posed to Ambassador Fuller. Um, just as a reminder, you know, there's the when you're just looking at project funding um, or is there are four kinds of funding um, that come um, and of course come also from IFC and IDB Invest and EIB and all the uh, private sector investment arms of the MDBs. So there's philanthropic and donor capital and we talked about that a little bit with Ambassador Fuller. Hopefully this unlocks more soft capital um, so that we can take more or companies can take more of a risk and, and go into markets which they wouldn't otherwise go to but necessarily do need help. And we, we touched on blended finance a little bit um, and you know how that can play a role. I mean, there are blended finance principles, so they won't, blended finance by nature will never be so concessionary to disrupt a market. Um, then, of course, there's debt, which is a lot of what we see coming out of uh, these investment um, organizations. And then um, they do have equity um, as well, but it's not as common. Um, DFC, uh, which used to be OPIC, uh, so the Development Finance Corporation here in the U.S., um, when they transformed into the current entity, did get an equity authority, which which is unique. And I think that's important because you want to make sure that your investors have some skin in the game. Uh, Rachel, do you have anything to add to that? 
I think you've covered that off pretty well, but I think what, what would be interesting maybe is, is for Canadian companies to, to understand how they might go about accessing some of that funding and uh, how COP might have played a role in either increasing the amount of funding that's accessible to them or the launching of new funds. Um, so what I think might be useful is to touch on the adaptation fund. Um, so P Ambassador Fuller mentioned this and uh, um, adaptation was a huge part of, of COP26 uh, and, and played a huge role in, in a lot of the discussions leading up to the Glasgow Climate Pact. The adaptation fund received a record shattering 356 million US dollars in new support um, during COP26. Um, and a record 16 donors announced new pledges for the fund, in, including Canada, which uh, Ambassador Fuller mentioned. So this is really helpful because this this amount of money will will make a considerable dent in um, the the pipeline that the adaptation fund currently has, uh, because apparently they have a quite a few proposals on the go. Um, but I I think as well for our listeners it should uh, demonstrate that there is scope for for projects uh, with an adaptation focus, given the amount of funding that's now being put towards adaptation. And we have mentioned that adaptation is, is difficult uh, at times to invest in, but there is recognition um, around this. And certainly there is uh, a push to, to better develop methodologies to report and track on adaptation type investments. And I think uh, further on down the line, um, given the amount of focus on adaptation during COP26, hopefully we'll be able to see more types of investments and, and more opportunities for Canadian companies as well in this space. Yeah, yeah, that's that's a really good point. And, um, you know, we in Canada have a number of capabilities that can be applied. So I know we've been working with clients that are doing uh, reforestry and of course the reforestation focus uh, was encouraging um, a lot of companies doing nature-based solutions of course a lot of renewable energy companies looking to do projects in in otherwise you know challenging markets um, and we're seeing some traction um, that the NDBs are, are looking to get into those markets themselves uh, we have waste energy companies we have carbon capture companies, CCUS. So there's definitely um, a lot of capabilities. And so I encourage um, our colleagues that are listening from these different multilateral development banks and just from the private sector in general, if you're interested in Canadian capabilities in certain industries, uh, reach out to us because uh, we have a list and we have companies that we can uh, direct you to. And Fahim, that's actually quite a good segue into what maybe would be a final interesting point for some of our listeners, which is just a little bit of insight into insight into into the funding that's being administered into our specific regions of, of focus. And I know uh, you focus on um, Latin America um, and the Caribbean, so. Uh, Anything that came out of COP that might be of interest to our listeners in, in that area? Um, you know, around COP, we saw some really good announcements uh, around investing into nature-based solutions and investing into local funds that will then 
you know, fund different uh, climate initiatives. Um, you know, every region is is a little bit different. Caribbean um, um, has adaptation challenges, um, but you know, are really moving toward how can we get EVs and electric vehicles um, on the road, um, and how they can sort of be net zero themselves. Um, there's a lot of uh, potential around carbon capture um, and hydrogen uh, in um, Chile and in Argentina um, that can also be leveraged. So um, I think we'll find that the MDBs are really looking to see or fund some of these in, uh, initiatives and then looking for good solutions. Um, for Africa and the Middle East, what do you think, where do you think you see opportunities? Yeah, I would definitely uh, echo your thoughts around uh, hydrogen. Um, that's coming up quite a bit in conversations. Um, of course, so specific to specific markets um, based on on how developed they are, but but certainly uh, hydrogen is is very much of interest to um, many of the investors and and IFIs and MDBs that that I'm having discussions with. Um, the adaptation theme runs strong as well. Uh, there's recognition, of course, that nature-based solutions can play a very large role. Um, and I think what we're seeing is uh, that it's not just um, mitigation anymore. Um, and I, that's been a, an understanding for a while, but certainly we're now seeing it um, putting uh, money down uh, as well uh, against some of these projects. So. In Africa, we still continue to see an, an, an interest in renewable energy and and, and just generally um, uh, in energy access. So that will continue uh, across the continent. Um, and uh, I would say following COP and, and because of COP, um, a lot of the investors and, and IFIs um, but maybe have, have expanded their focus a bit or... Um, shifted their focus a bit so um, strategic outlooks might have changed um, so this is something uh, that is a bit too detailed I think probably to go into in in this specific podcast but um, many different actors in this space um, now have a, a very uh, focused outlook as to where they're looking to to place their money so um, again, an, another reason to to be able to come to us as the Trade Commissioner Service is as we can help um, distill down some of these um, different uh, criteria that uh, are coming out of uh, a lot of the intermediaries in the climate finance market. Yeah, absolutely. It's um, a really good point. So thank you, everybody, for listening to the podcast. This is the last uh, one for 2021. We'll continue again with 2022. Hopefully have some really good, exciting guests. And happy holidays to all of you. Um, yes, happy holidays, everyone. All right. Thanks, everybody. And again, um, make sure that you share this podcast or this series with uh, others in this industry and others that are interested in climate finance and um, let us know if you have any comments or questions. Thank you.